Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair-weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it's going! The Falcons are going to the yeah. Super Bowl! The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl! From the mesmerized studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Taylor and the commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome to another exciting episode of Believe in Atlanta Sports, brought to you by Mesmerized Media here in, I like to say sunny Woodstock, but it is not sunny. It is 45, it's rainy, it's gloomy gray. Gloomy and drippy. Gloomy, and, and this is a part of the year I don't like. I've got my heavy coat today, and the only bonus about this weather is you have more pockets for stuff that you kind of gather along the way during the day or receipts or phones or whatever. 17 chapsticks. Yep. You know what? I don't lose chapstick like a lot of other people, but I also, uh, we've talked about this before. I order my soap from Duke Cannon. And anytime you order, like, cause I order like 10 bars that lasts me several months. You get to pick a gift. And one of those, these last times I picked a, a lip balm, but it's, well, you guys can't see at home, but it's a giant tube of lip balm. I'm I'm showing Mark, but it's it's you can't lose it. And then I got this other little cool round Orby looking lip balm from Northside Hospital at the breast cancer walk. That's those are hard to lose. So the unscrewable, yeah, Orby the little thing. Yep. little ball and the smells great. <clears throat> but anyway, we are back after a little delay. A little delay. Uh, we I don't think we no we did do one last week before you left town. Yep, we got that one out. But again, guys, some housekeeping. Uh, we, we've there's been some equipment being shuffled around and uh, some other things happening. Uh, kind of you know in, in adulting world, as we all have other jobs and relationships and things, and it's kind of I would say got us off track a little bit. But we are working very hard uh, to uh, get everything back in place where it needs to be and set back up for a lot of great stuff moving forward, live shows and whatnot. So we apologize for that, but we are experiencing some pretty serious growing pains in this process, but that's how it happens. You know, the people that believe are telling us, you know, Hey, it takes a couple of three years to really kind of get the ball going and, and, and establish yourselves. So we're, we're less than six months into this thing. So 
it uh, it's an unfortunate part of the process. We're uh, doing the hard work now, so we can uh, hit the fast forward button a little bit. Yeah, and and we were talking about this earlier. It's we haven't pulled the trigger yet, but we've decided that we just might take off the last end of the year to kind of enjoy the holidays, uh, do a little traveling. And get all this great Restream.io and, and all these great gadgets that we've got and we've set up and played with, but they had to be uh, allocated to other projects. As you know, Mesmerized Media, is uh, it, they really are taking off like a rocket ship. They're just covered up in work, and there's a constant backlog. So we're working to, to iron that out, and it's you know we're trying to be symbiotic and, uh, and all cool and work together. And, and that's how these things go. Uh, but we're still having a hell of a lot of fun doing it, and... You know, 23, that's the Jordan year for everyone on Earth. I think after, I think 23 is going to be great for everybody because of, of just the doldrums that we've been in since the, the dawn of COVID and then the thick of COVID and now post-apocalyptic whatever this is, people still kind of hanging on to COVID and people still not wanting to work and the whole shitstorm that that created. We were just talking about how, like, the real pandemic was, like, just... No, everyone just doesn't want to work anymore and they want to pursue all the things in life and you can, but you, you know, just sometimes you gotta have money. You gotta have money and work. And like, there's so, so, so many people. That's what's weird. It's like the unemployment rate is low, but there's still short staffed everywhere, but all the jobs are filled. Like it's, it's crazy. I don't, I'm not understanding what's going on, but a lot of smoke and mirrors going around. Oh yeah, but let's not get, let's not put our tinfoil uh, Alex Jones Infowars hats on Never. because uh, this is not a political show. This is a sports show, and boy, what we're going to kick it off with today is probably the finest human. I'm not going to say the finest athlete because there may have been greater, and I, I actually the first one comes to mind, but probably the the nicest human to ever don the number three on any athletic uniform. Your friend and mine, Mr. Dale Murphy has found himself back on like a conditional uh, provisional Hall of Fame ballot, and they're going to vote on it December 4th. And Mark and I have talked about this in the past when we had our very first podcast ever. This guy has got to get in the Hall of Fame. He's earned it just right off the rip. He was one of the top three, if not top two, him and Mike Schmidt, like the best player in the 80s. He's one of the whole decade, the whole decade. Now, a lot of people say because he had a pretty sharp decline there at the end and his career started late and ended early. I mean, he retired when he was 37, so I wouldn't really say it ended early. Now, I would say maybe those last couple seasons with the Braves and then he knocked around with the Phillies and the Rockies. So maybe three, four seasons. He, he did see that decline. He had a degenerative uh, condition in his knee. But for a guy to start out at the catching position and he was a big dude, too. Started out as a catcher, first baseman, then went and, and roamed center field and did a fine job. Seven-time All-Star, one of only four outfielders to win back-to-back -back MVPs in the history of baseball. And at the time that he did it, he was the youngest to ever do it. The only other person to hit more home runs in the 80s than Dale Murphy was Mike Smith. He led the league in home runs. Back-to-back -back MVP, seven-time All-Star. The, the list goes on and on. And this is what I said, and, and, I, and I don't have it anymore because this was years ago, but I spent a whole day stacking up several different players that were in the hall against Dale Murphy, and his numbers in a lot of categories were much better or slightly better, and the one that comes to mind is, is Rock Reigns. 
I don't want to take anything away from Tim Raines, but Dale Murphy's numbers are almost identical or better than Tim Raines' numbers. And I think just just the person he was, too, and how he played the game, how he represented the game. Dale Murphy, 100% in my book, and I'm not alone, should be in the Hall of Fame, and we got to get him in. If you're listening, I don't know how you do it. I don't know if you you write MLB, send them an email, the Braves, get on your social media, whatever. But what this, voters do we need to grease? Yeah, exactly. Because the dude should be in there. If if he doesn't somehow, and I thought he was done. I don't know if this is the last one. I think we looked yesterday and we couldn't really find you know what if what what kind of time uh, table he had to just. You're no longer going to be considered ever. And he's on there with Barry Bonds, Roger Maris, Roger Maris. Dale Murphy and Roger Maris are the only two players ever in the history of Major League Baseball to win back-to-back MVPs, and they're not in the hall. So weird. Chipper Jones never won a back-to-back MVP. Now his numbers are staggering. Let's not <laughs> let, let's just say that right now. But he Chipper Jones go. never did. Bryce Harper's not back-to-back MVP. Freddie Freeman, A Rod, did A Rod ever win back-to-back MVPs? Did Jared Derek Jeter ever win back-to-back MVPs? It's pretty special to do that just in one season. So I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to plead the case with me. I, I, and for what he meant to the franchise too. Like it's he's a big deal. Um, I, we talked about this when we uh, were doing state of sports, man. I, why, why are you not in? And what is it? I, if only a certain amount of people can get in every year, why are we in such a hurry to get the new guys in and let these the older guys that 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 truly deserve it? Like, go by the wayside. I understand everybody can't get in every year, but, like, if you see a guy that's just constantly getting moved to the back, but you know he, he deserves it, like, why wouldn't you make a I, – I feel like there's got to be some sort of, like, commission or committee to get together and be like, hey, guys, like, it's our, our last shot at, at Dale Murphy. Can everybody pay attention to this? Rather than – I I don't know. I don't know how it works, but, man – he certainly deserves to be in there, and I really hope they put some consideration on it. Well, here's the thing. There's a thing called wind shares that this guy, Bill James, uh, does. And uh, Bill James is, is a statistician. Um, it, it's, it's called uh, – so wind shares is a statistic weighing what players contribute to their team's victories. Dale Murphy has 253 wind shares. There's eight – this guy James ranks eight Hall of Famers below Dale Murphy. Eight. That's another little caveat. You know, everybody's got all these weird, you know, uh, stats and, and whatnot. But, I mean, that's eight. I just, like, who did he who did he piss off? It just, it seems like such an odd person not to to be there and uh even the even the things you say sharp decline started late like what what does that matter he beat down a decade i think that speaks more to what you should should get in the hall of fame because you did it in such a a shorter window but like is is 10 years a small window i don't think so i mean the guy played of the 80s i think he played 16 seasons or 17 seasons uh because he left philly and and went to the rockies and i don't think he ever played a full season with the rockies but but if you're a dominant force in any sport for a decade or the better part of a decade and your name is is known in your sport for that long and uh, you play at that high of a level like i feel like that's the criteria like Yeah. yeah you're in like you did it I mean, he gets mentioned in the same breath as Mike Schmidt. Sure. 
you know, in that in the eighties, there was no better center fielder. Or, or I mean, you uh, there's a lot of arguments you could say there might have been a better center fielder, but Dale Murphy was consistently one of the best players in all of baseball for a decade. Right in the eighties with Atlanta, but like I after so, that, like anyway, I, who knows? But uh, and those are just some more. I mean, go go do the homework yourself. I, I, I'm one of those people too. I'm a I'm a if you don't believe me, go look for yourself. But I'm also one of those people like, hey, I'm not going to spend all the time doing the homework for you. I'll, I'll throw some stats and stuff and some facts out there for you. But after that, don't take my word for it. Go see for yourself, and then you'll read and be like, oh, my God. Another guy that's on that list I think this should get in is, is the crime dog, the fire dog, which Fred says he actually prefers fire dog over crime dog. And everybody knows how that happened. Like the the booth, the press booth, uh, his first night in town blows up, catches on fire, like live, right on television. As they're, I think it was Eleven Alive, the the outlet that I was watching. But like Fred Khalil or somebody, he's like, "Hey, Fred McGriff, you know, he's he's finally here. He's in uniform. He's gonna play tonight." And then boom, the whole damn thing goes up in flames. And that's how he got the name Fire Dog. And I think that night he hit a couple home runs. I think he had a great game. Like he. That's another thing about Dale Murphy. I don't think this is like how you could base it on him getting into the Hall of Fame, but he was visiting a young, sick child, as he often did. I think he probably still does now, you know, many years later. But the nurse said, hey, Dale, could you could you hit a home run for this little girl tonight? And he was like, oh, yeah, I guess. Well, he hit two. Game over. And the Braves scored three runs, and he was responsible for all three runs. And, he, and I think it was against the Phillies. Anyway, I'm just saying, guy's got a heart Somebody of gold. make sure this podcast gets out to those voters, yeah. please. He's got a heart of gold. He was an excellent baseball player for a decade. Yeah, you know, whatever happened, he fell off the table. He, he retired. And that's another thing, too, the 398 home runs. They say if he would have just hung around and got 400. And I'm like, we're splitting hairs here over two home runs. Yep. Like he just left. Like he, I think it was shortly after spring training, or maybe even during spring training for the Rockies. They had told him like he was going to be released to make room, and he just didn't bother to go sign with anybody. That's another thing too. I, I think we may even, and listening to Dale talk, I think baseball for him was something he did, and he's done so much more post baseball, being the chairs of various organizations and medical organizations and children's charities, and he's proud of that, and maybe even more proud. Like I, I think he doesn't. Like, Dale Murphy's not losing sleep over not being in the Hall of Fame. I think we want it more than he does, which is fine. I mean, that, that That's just kind of another testament to what kind of person he is. You know, some people have a really hard time leaving the game, and they don't adjust well. And for him to just not even seemingly care about the 400 home runs, at 37, he's just like, hey, man, I got a place in Utah. I've got eight children. I got my wife. I'm. It's just time to move on. And he moved on without batting an eye. Uh you know, he did a little broadcasting for the Braves, but he never got into coaching or anything. And just that's the chapter that he closed, and it seems like he's at peace with it. So I guess maybe what I'm saying is we should be at peace with it. But damn it, I want Dale Murphy in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we'll carry that torch for him. I yeah, I'm I'll I'll lobby for him, even if he's just uh doesn't really uh be seem too concerned and he's playing it cool. I want Dale because man, he was everybody I don't know now everybody I knew growing up in the state of Georgia had this poster and it was from Oscar Meyer and it said stand tall with Dale Murphy. And it was a full 
life-size poster of Dale Murphy in uniform. He's kind of leaning on a bat. And you you measured yourself uh, as you grew, or you could. I mean, he was just, he was an icon. He was Dale, the, the Murph, Murph the Smurf, you know, uh, number three. I would even argue that he's a bigger Braves legend than, than Freddie. Maybe not Chipper. I, I think Chipper might take – Chipper and Hank might take – oh, God, there's so many Greg Maddox. I mean, but <laughs> don't get me – see, I've just started to steamroll there. But there's so many greats. But Dale Murphy definitely has his place among those greats, without a doubt. Another one of my favorites everybody knows is the uh, incomparable, immortal Biff Pokeroba. But also uh, number 11. I think he also wore number 5. He, do, he wore two different numbers for the Braves. But Bobby Horner, that's another one that I uh, – Think about, he's one of my, I'm getting a Bob Horner jersey. I've been saying it for years. I'm going to make that happen eventually. I'm getting a Bob Horner jersey. I want to get a Bob Horner, the blue Atlanta, like a way jersey. But the only ones I can find, and, and nothing against Ronald, but they, they just, they're all Acuna. I can't find one that you can customize, and, and I can't even find a blank one. Because I'm not all, but I'm not about the new players. Like, I don't want a Dansby Swanson or a Freddie Freeman. I want an older you want, you, know, them, you want them throwbacks I'd, well i'd wear chipper well you know like you get a dansby swanson jersey and then he leaves town or you know Ooh. not that they will but you know how many times has it happened like some guy come everybody got the gary sheffield jerseys and the guy hung around for a little while and then he i'm was sitting gone, on you know? a lot of matt ryan and julio jones real estate yeah so anyway just uh you gotta god i just want dale murphy in and man we get to do a whole show just about reminiscing about our beloved Atlanta Braves, and I'm ready. I'm ready for the winter meetings. They're right around the corner. It's 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 going to be here before we know it. But uh, so you, you actually you like the Braves? No, not You're at a all. Braves fan? I think my fervor for the Braves is like equal to the, yours of the Hawks, uh, because I know you're going to go off on the Hawks in a little bit. But what have the Braves been up to lately? And 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 a little bit. They've they kind of got the post uh, not postseason, but uh. What's the word I'm looking for? After season, off season, off season. They got the off season ball rolling before anybody by making the first trade, and they got Sam Hilliard, knock around guy from Colorado. Uh, they they traded Dylan Spain for it, but they send Jake Odorizzi out to Texas, the Rangers that is, with ten million bucks, and we get our first round draft pick from I think 2014 or 2015 back, Colby Allard. Uh, he's done well in a bullpen role. We get Tampa Bay's old closer Nick Anderson. So the, and Jesse, Jesse Chavez is back in Atlanta, and I think that's where he's just going to be. It'll be interesting to see if AA moves him around some more this year and trades it's him like, off. Jesse, to, you're uh, you're going to Colorado for a couple months, but we'll get you back before yeah, the playoffs. Don't but worry. you'll be back with a couple of more pieces with you, like it's. Uh, but because he doesn't, it's and Jesse was with Atlanta a long time ago too, and it just seems like. This is where he's played his best baseball. He did, I think he was with Milwaukee for a little while and did pretty well. But point being, this last season, he went out to the Angels, didn't do so hot, went to the Cubs, didn't do so hot, came back to Atlanta and has performed well. So I hope he's just able to stay around. I hope he becomes like the bullpen coach or something later. I mean, well, Jesse's getting on in years. He's late 30s. So we'll see. He's a fan favorite, though, so... And not much on the Dansby Swanson front. I mean, he has been tendered that qualifying offer, but that those are just like one year, 19 million, whatever. That's just, hey, the legalities of, of negotiating in baseball, you have to make that offer, you know, to get it started. And we'll see what happens. I, you know, you heard it on, on one of the big guys that we're not going to talk about, but that uh, he seemingly 
or him and the Braves together have seemingly unfollowed each other on social media. We still don't know if that's true. I guess you could probably go look. Man, I'm not, somehow, I'm, but I'm, who cares? I don't. I don't even want to go down that rabbit well, hole. Well, I think we said this in a prior episode. That happened with Kyler Murray. That whole contract, whatever. Like he stopped following them, but then it came back and whatever. I'm not going to put much stock into that. I just, uh, I'm just worried about that whole. Again, it's the whole Freddie thing. I think and just kind of. I think Chipper Jones kind of says it best, and we're not going to beat that horse again, but I think everybody knows what's what's happening. Like, It's been said that he's a glue guy and needs to stay here. He said he wants to stay here. It's And now it's like, okay, how do we get it done? Like, Is he really what he says he is? That's the only thing. Is he really what he says he is, or is he being a politician? And, and he said some, well, it's a business, it's this, it's that. And I, You know, I, I mean, the, the flag is up for me. I said it if it didn't happen 10 to 14 days. It's been a three or four weeks now. Now, who knows? Maybe maybe Dansby's just like, I don't care. Wait till the World Series is over or whatever. I'm just like, why is it not done? Yep. Why are we not Why are we not having like a midnight, you know, session, a, a conference call where AA or Dansby or somebody says, hey, let's, get, well, let's wrap it up. We're not getting off this call. Or one way or another, let's figure it out because we need to go shopping if you're not staying. Yeah, that's another thing too. It's kind of, that's kind of you know. That, Do you want it to be a situation where where we sign where we sign somebody and we're like, well, now you got your answer. And and see, that's what I'm worried about again. Is, is Casey close and Excel? What's what's happening? Because is it is it going to turn into one of those things to where Anthopolis has to say, Dansby, shit or get off the pot? What are we doing? I, but I think because that, we've sorry to interrupt you, but no, we've seen okay. that Anthopolis will do that. Yeah, he well, will say, "Look, point. I've got to have we somebody." We know, we know, it's there. Yeah. You've seen it, and just because there's a uh, there there's news about how Casey Close handled it and and whatever all that stuff, it doesn't none of that matters. We know how the Braves will move. We've seen it. Everybody knows now. Like it's no secret. Like if you're dragging your feet, we won't drag ours. You know. So yeah. look. I guess this is why people are worried because the longer it goes, the more we're like, man, you, we, yeah. we're going to make sure we're good. Whether you're good or not, we're going to make sure we're good. But we, uh, we do have some good Braves news. Do tell. Uh, I think you stumped me. Money Mike, baby. Uh, y- of y- the year. Well, you know, I guess I was confused by that because I guess it was just the sporting news award, which is not the official MLB award. Because Spencer Strider won that. We all talked about it and saw it. Yeah. So this is the official MLB. So Strider was the Sporting News Rookie of the Year, which is unaffiliated with MLB, but the official MLB award. So And, 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 and basically we have two Rookie of the Years, but I guess I well, guess Harris's holds more water. They Well, they, they were the only two people to receive first place votes. They came in first and second. Uh, Harris receiving 22, and um, Strider got eight. Um, obviously two very different players and Mike just was an everyday player. So I, maybe that is where he got the edge, but he did come out on fire, but it, it could have split between the two of them. I just think it's, I think it's crazy. If you look in the Braves history too, that like back in 2011, number one and number two in rookie of the year voting was Craig Kimbrell and Freddie Freeman Kimbrell taking that one. Um, but yeah, man, super cool. Good for him. I, I remember getting out there for the first game and and seeing him play live. And dude, 
fast, fun to watch. Looks like he's just having a great time. Obviously, like the the last thing that we spoke about of him was him in the playoffs and not playing so well at the tail end of the season. But like, I'm glad. I'm glad he got this award, man. Um, he deserved it. He, both of them deserved it. But um, hopefully, that's just about one more thing to motivate him. Um, I also heard an interview with him. He's also a huge Hawks fan. They uh, Mike Connie. Uh, interviewed him before the game, and he was just talking about how you can just tell he's a fan. But super cool. Yeah, and this is kind of disturbing me a little bit because I've been watching the Cy Young uh, stuff unfold and kind of, you know, who's the favorites, this and that. Cal Wright is not even really. Nope. It's ridiculous. He's like a plus 50,000. Alcantara for the Marlins, but then is, is the odds-on favorite at minus twenty thousand. If you're if you're you know the odds in Vegas, then there's Zach Gallen, Julio Urias, Max Fried is being mentioned ahead of Kyle Wright. And I'm sorry, Kyle Wright had more wins than anybody in baseball in the National League, maybe even the American League. He, he won twenty one games. Yeah, no, I it's it's shocking, and we talked about this multiple times throughout the season. Is like how how are we still not talking about him? How but look look at what happened. In the playoffs, just look. Yeah, one guy came through. Exactly. I mean, he he was he. I don't care. You can you're going to talk about scoreless innings, strikeouts, this, that, and the other. But the fact of the matter is, nobody. And I haven't looked at the American League win totals. Nobody won more games as a pitcher in the National League than Kyle Wright. And it's not like you. It's just overwhelming run support and I'm not going down that rabbit hole to find those stats because I watched him pitch this year yeah you know what I'm saying so it's not like he was just we were just eking out um, nine to seven in all these games that he was pitching he he is no he was dominant yeah he was very very good and for whatever reason they just decided Max Fried was the ace at the beginning of the year and and Kyle Wright was just a, a secondary pitcher, and I, that's the narrative everybody kept going, even though he showed you week in and week out that he's the dude. They, we can have multiple dudes. We don't have to you know, hide the fact that he's awesome. And maybe it's not your year, but like I, to, to have Max in the conversation and not Kyle is ridiculous. Yeah, and speaking of pitchers, I, uh, you know, I started hosting trivia uh, last night. For our friends at Gustin's and and Tim here at uh, Mesmerized Media, he's the some kind of regional. Uh, he owns the region for DJ Trivia. It's a trivia company. He's the guy. Nobody else can do DJ Trivia around these parts except him. So I, I jumped in to do that because it seemed like fun. And uh, he, he actually plugged our podcast for us. He took the mic one time. And he's like, "Hey man, feel free to plug it while you're doing trivia." And I said, "Hey, get in front of people, talk about the podcast." I think it's like a hundred bucks, whatever. Uh, but there's a Mets guy there and I started giving him a hard time because I'm going to, that's just who I am. And we started kind of back and forth with one another. And he says, DeGrom is going to go play for the Rangers, but he also says that he wants $40 million. And I said, I, I, I said, I haven't looked into that, you know, his kind of requests or anything. I haven't seen it, but I also haven't sat down and said, let's read about DeGrom and what's going on. But if he really wants 40 million bye. I don't think he's worth it. He's not, I, I don't to Charlie Morton's. No, I don't. I don't. I, again, it's so weird. Like, <laughs> I just—he's—he's uh, uh, he's been injured. He started out really dominant after he came back this year from the injury, he, he, and he kind of, you know, 
settled in and kind of smoldered a little bit. I mean, the Braves took him we down. You know, yeah. the, the Padres took him down. And I'm not saying he's not dominant for our, for million. your Mets for your Mets uh, fan friend. I'm not saying he's not a good pitcher. I'm saying he's an aging pitcher. He's 34 and he's had an elbow problem. I don't care how great you are. He's 34 and he's had an elbow problem. Okay. It, we talked about this multiple times too. It like would it be cool to have him? Yes. Do we need to go out and grab him? No. No, but and not for 40 million. I don't think he has a 40 million dollar arm. And and people will say, "Well, that's the that's the market value or whatever." And and I just think that is so completely out of control and stupid that I'm sorry. Nobody, 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 not one person in all of Major League Baseball and I think somebody may already uh What's his name? Soto, I think, is getting that much or will get that much when he signs with the Padres or whatever. I don't think he signed a deal yet. I think it was just the trade. Yeah. Judge, I I saw Judge. Uh, I guess it was a false report because somebody said he signed for nine years, five hundred and something million. But from what I've seen, that's not true, and he's still waiting to sign. But I'm sorry. I know uh, baseball has kind of had a little bit of a renaissance and and kind of come back in as far as like from a fan perspective and whatnot, but nobody's nobody's worth 40 million dollars a year i don't care if you have it to spend i really think at some point maybe the next cba or something like it has to be discussed about because all all that's happening is just costing more and more and more and more to get down to the ballpark and it shouldn't it really shouldn't cost that much to any any pro sporting event right now you and i are going to georgia georgia tech and and the seats are okay and they it's it was 300 dollars. boom right off the rip just to get in the door for both of us is $150 a seat. I get it. Georgia's the hottest team in the nation, but it's Georgia, Georgia Tech. Yep. We're going to trounce them. It's going to be a bloodbath. We're going to rip their heads off. It's going to be like sitting front row at a Gallagher but, show. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Gallagher. We love you. Uh, he did die recently. I don't know if he knew that, but no. Uh, R.I.P. to Gallagher and the Sledgematic. Uh, I definitely watched a lot of HBO specials with that dude smashing up. Remember the giant couch with the trampoline? Yeah. <laughs> All that man, he was a great, uh, I guess, a prop comedian is what they would call him. Him and Carrot Top are the only two I really remember. And Carrot Top just turned into this weird bodybuilding, <laughs> plastic surgery addicted freak. But whatever, I don't want to judge. Um, <laughs> but oh, we got what were we talking about? We we're talking about salaries and high salaries in baseball. See my ADD brain. You get me talking about Gallagher, and then I, I lose my way. We get we go off that side path that we uh, oft times get off on, but. Yeah, I just we've got to curb spending. So yeah, the Georgia game, three hundred bucks, we're in the door. Now we don't necessarily have to do this, but I like to make an event out of things. Like, hey, let's make it a weekend. So I said, Mark, let's go down Friday. We'll find a great steakhouse. We'll get some tomahawk ribeyes and a big old baked potato, and we'll just be in Athens. I I can't. I, I'm gonna. I'm I probably. I'm probably gonna have you drive me around the city one evening, Friday evening, or maybe Saturday evening. And just look at it. I haven't been to Athens in close to seven or eight years. You said it looks way different. There's like a Dunkin' Donuts in downtown Athens now and a Starbucks. And like, it's very uh, corporate-y. And, There's a Zaxby's and a Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see the town because it really has been. A, I think the last time I was there was the Missouri game in 2000. No, Tennessee, I want to say in maybe 2017. That was the last time I was in Athens because in 20. 2018 maybe because i know we we my friend carter and cj we all went and saw tennessee in athens and then carter and i went and saw them in knoxville in 2019 long story short it's been many years since i've been to the city and i'm, I'm looking forward to going back but 
not to get off track again, 300 bucks for the tickets. And I said, hey, let's not try to drive in Georgia game day traffic coming from Metro Atlanta into Athens on 316 on game day for a noon game. We would have to get up at like 4 a.m. I don't want to do that. I'd rather just be in town Friday night, go get a good steak, maybe maybe check out a couple of uh, old people uh, establishments and have a beer. Uh, I don't want I don't want anything to do with the young kids. Uh, or who knows? We'll find something to get into Friday night. But we we go to bed and wake up game day. But how much did the rooms cost? We check in Friday. We check out Sunday morning. How much was that? Three seventy five. So we're now we're up to six hundred and seventy five dollars for two people just to to, to go enjoy a, a game. We haven't eaten yet. We haven't put gas in the car to get down there to get back. We haven't said, "Hey, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go grab a popcorn or a dog at the concession stand inside the stadium." This whole thing, I guarantee you, when it's all said and done, because we're kind of splitting it. I got the tickets. You're you're covering the room, and I'll get whatever, whatever. Eight or nine hundred dollars, easy, for a weekend in Athens to go see the dogs play. And it's it's crazy. But think if you got kids, you know. Oh yeah, no, that's it's. I when I see families, I'm like, God bless, bless your soul. Yeah. It's so much fun but it is it is a it is something you have to plan for well i just think professional sports teams like need to somehow come up with some sort of uh package or something and i know they do like the family night package or whatever but it's got to get better to where like you're also not sitting on the last row i think like certain times of the uh, of the season they should pick a section and just kind of say hey for this night every seat is forty dollars or something, just some sort of affordable. Because think about it. Not every there are plenty of families that have the financial means. But what about what about the kids who love baseball, and their dads don't have a six figure salary? Let's say he's a, a carpenter's apprentice, or whatever job, and they just they they need to do something because kid a lot of kids and families are missing out on the magic that is going down to the ballpark or the stadium or, or wherever. And I just think I think these inflated salaries are part of that problem. Of course, um, I mean it, it's a business at the end of the day, but it, you have to kind of like I feel like you you should weigh what it's like for people to actually fill your stadium. But And here's the other thing. It's the secondary market with the tickets and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, that's that, another one too. That shit sucks too because all the tickets are getting purchased and then resold. So as far as they know, we're selling out every game, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how the how they can track that to make that make sense. But I, And I don't even know how that works. It seems ticket like a, bots. They've got to combat the ticket bots that a guy giant, just turns it on and he, and he buys 300 Braves tickets and he just has them to resale. Like it's all it is is digital scalping. Yeah. It's just scalping in, in, the, in the metaverse, even though it's not really in the metaverse. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But it's, it's digital scalping. And, you know, and, and, and again, some people, and I'm kind of like that. Hey, if you can get 40 million on the open market to play baseball, God bless you. But I'm also sitting there going, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. You're just as rich with 25. How about take 25 and say, take that other 15 million and put it elsewhere? I just have a, like, I get it. And I have a hard time saying you should take less money to do it. If somebody's willing to give you that money, you're going to take that money and, and good for you. But it, they're, whether they take that, they're going to give that money to somebody. So you taking that money, I don't, I don't. Yeah. You, they, you set the market value. The owners set the value. And now everybody else has to play by those rules. And it, 
it sucks in that respect, but I don't know how it's ever going to change. It probably won't, but I'll tell you what, if I, if I, if I got $40 million a season coming in, I'm going to, I'm going to buy a section. I'm going to buy a section 328 and every game I'm going to be like, come on families, come down. I don't, you can email me or go through the team or something, but those seats, that's what I would, $40 million spend, spend a hundred grand on a block of seats at the stadium. That'd be awesome. It's a charitable donation. You could write that shit off. You could set that up to where you could literally write off that, that expense somehow with a tax attorney and, and smart business people smarter than us could figure out how to set up the, you know, the Mark Rich, uh, uh, family foundation. And what do we do? We provide a game day experience for low income or less fortunate families that, that probably don't have it in there, but something just do something to get people down to the ballpark that deserve to go. And just because they, you know, whatever their lot in life has given them, they, they can't spend $300 on a game. Let's figure, figure it out. That's all I'm saying. MLB figure it out, but we got to keep this show rolling. And we mentioned we will be in Athens for Georgia, Georgia tech, clean old fashioned hate. And I'll tell you this again, Mark and I are in the lower bowl. We're in section one Oh one row 56. That's the corner end zone. And we're still paying $150. Those aren't, Okay, those are also the Georgia Tech student section. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be throwing some punches at those nerds. Oh God, no nerds! <laughs> but the North Avenue Trade School is what I like to call it. But and those aren't great seats. I the, I don't know what what possessed me to want to go. But I, I guess just because I haven't been in a while, and I was like, hey, I, I do have that time off, and I bet I could find a pretty decent ticket for. It's a, also a Georgia football game. It's always worth a. Yeah, and I just I haven't. I know they've done some, and they're getting ready to do more work. But they've done a, quite a bit of work on that stadium since even the last time I was there. And I just, I think it's just kind of like now in my older age, like I do prefer to watch the game uh, from the comfort of my home. But I, but I think like Georgia Tech, like it's Thanksgiving break, so a lot of students will be gone, and a lot of people may not make the trip because they're like, we're going to kill Tech. It's the last game of the season. It. it It'll be sold out, but I think maybe to me, I was just thinking it might be an easier game to get to and get back from. It's it's not a UGA Tennessee kind of environment. But you got you also got to. It, well, it's not. It's probably not going to have the same viewership. But I'm no. But we're talking about Georgia Tech versus Georgia. The close proximity. The people oh, yeah, that are the people that are on Thanksgiving break are probably an hour and a half at max away. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I guess what I was saying is like the stadium itself will be sold out, but like, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, there were 92 and change inside the stadium and another 50 or 60 probably out around the stadium tailgating. I hear what you're saying. That crowd I think will be not as much because who wants to, it's, it's tech. I mean, it's clean old fashioned hate and everybody wants to see Georgia beat up on tech, but I think some people might be like, I don't have a ticket, so I'm going to watch it at home. Like those, those crazy games, like, you know, I don't have to tell you, they set up camp. Right on a Thursday, and they got generators. And, you know, no, I hear there. what you're saying, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure the tailgaters and everybody will still be there. And uh, it, I, but I understand it's not going to garner the the additional crowd that uh, number one versus number three will will get you. Yeah, but now we have moved on from our beloved Atlanta Braves, and we're talking Georgia football. We're going to be down there. Uh, soaking it all in the last game of the season as we prepare for Georgia LSU. My girlfriend's sister's husband is a he's a he's a Bayou Bengal, so it's on. I've already fired a shot across the bow 
uh, in a text message, but that's going to be a fun one. I think that's December 3rd or 4th. That's the 3rd. Yeah, that's a Saturday in Atlanta, as always. But we got to focus on Kentucky. But before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about Mississippi State. They played on Saturday. I forgot about the damn cowbells. My ears are still ringing. And and everybody, even the, even the players on the field were making a, a, a ringing gesture to the sidelines, and the coaches were like, yeah, we know. What, what are you going to do about it? But they prevailed. They kicked the crap out of them. I think it was 49-17. to 17 or 45-19. Yeah, 45-19. They dominated. Stet threw a couple of picks. But Kirby, what was scary is after the game, and he said this with more, like his usual confidence, but I felt like there was a little more in there. He says right now Georgia is getting – Better every week, but he said after that Mississippi State game, he said we're ascending. So it, it's like it, it seems like he's saying, not seems like this is what he's saying. He's saying Georgia is on the rise and they're playing their best football to date, and they're going to continue to get hot and go in and and make a playoff run and and make a statement. And I, I think it's great that how, you know, kind of like how his team responds to him and the chemistry they got going right now because one of the things he was complaining about was the lack of them being able to chew the clock up there before the half. And he said it was the worst he's ever been a part of. He said it was bad. And, and again, one thing he mentioned was that RPO and how they feel like they got to take a little away from Stett because these these quarterback draws and he chooses to pass it. And it, it, that's where he's met. That's, that's his... I'm going to say it, Our coined, the phrase I've coined for this uh, podcast, that's his bugaboo, is those RPOs. But here's the thing. At halftime, they said, Kirby, what would you say to your team? He said, I pulled Ladd and Stett both aside and said, I'm disappointed in you. We need a charge. We need to put a charge in this game and this team. And what do they do? They answered the bell with a 70-yard touchdown uh, score. But what was funny is as much as they struggled to manage that clock at halftime, Georgia in these last few games have been really good at putting together these 12, 13, 14 play drives and just gnawing away at the time and controlling the football. And I think that's the thing I'm most impressed with seeing right now is they can get up on you early and then they kind of go conservative and they just grind it out and just take take the time away from you because it's all about – that's a big part of the game, time of possession. Oh yeah, you know. Well, that's, so that was the thing before the uh, the Tennessee game, and everybody was like, "Well, uh, tune the clock isn't not not necessarily going to help you because Tennessee can put a lot of points up in a little amount of time." And you know, we see how that. I I I have complete and utter faith in Kirby and uh, the the kick return before half. Like that whole scenario is like a a comedy of errors, but again, it gives you that feeling like, God, man. Why has this got to happen to us? And then you look at the end, the the final result, the 45-19, and we are doing that. We're killing a lot of clock. We're not stepping on the throat of these people. And I, I don't know. I, like, it, it's gotten to the point to where I'm used to it. And, like, sometimes I wish we would just drop 70 on people. But at the same time, I feel like this is just who Kirby Smart is. And it, you got to – if you don't like it, you take the good with the bad. But you, you kind of – gotta respect it like it's yeah uh, i know when you come up when, when you have a defense like this it, it's also when you have defenses like we've had last year and this year it's not as scary to to try to do that because you know your defense can handle business 
you know, trying to run the clock out when the other team can score a will on your defense, that's a little scary. You want to yeah. you want to try to put up as many points as humanly possible. But again, we we beat them handily. Yeah. But you just still had that. But again, but it's a learning experience too because you got to remember, like a lot of these dudes are are uh, whether they're not new to the program, they're they're new to playing together at this mm-hmm. at this level. So you got a lot of young guys on defense. Um, and, and even on offense, there's a lot of new names and faces, even though you hear the same, uh, numbers being called and names being called throughout the game, it, the, the little bit of a mistake. And for you, if you're Stetson Bennett, think about Stetson Bennett and maybe he is making the wrong plays, but like he doesn't, he's not wired to think he can't make those plays yeah so i'll take the good with the bad on that one too i wish that the half didn't end the way that it did but but whatever we came back we adjusted we made made sure it didn't happen again yeah we talked about this yesterday because because he has at times you know uh proven kirby and company wrong about talking about what coverage was what he just saw and this and that and kirby's even said it like well that was right and I said, you know, I think he plays outside of his ability sometimes, but then I followed it up with, but we're talking about a kid who's been at Georgia for like six years and was fifth on the depth chart and just said, I'm not quitting. I'm going to be the starter. And here he is again in the driver's seat, controlling this team's destiny. And Georgia right now sure does look like they're marching their way towards a second national title appearance and maybe a, 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 a repeat. So Say what you want about Stet. 40, and, and Kirby will tell you this, and some people don't agree, but the SEC is tough. And Mississippi State has a big, and t- Kirby said, grown-ass men that will knock you in the mouth on defense. So to march into Starkville at night with the cowbells and walk away 45-19, to 19, I'm not going to, hey, two picks, okay, you got to clean it up, but pff, two, whatever. Two picks and a kick return before half. That That's what that game is. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, you can't you can't give that to a Michigan or Ohio State or somebody. But again, I'm, but I'm just saying, like you and you can look at a lot of the games. Like if we pay for our mistakes, it, let's make the mistakes in these games. Let's yeah. learn from them in these games. And I again, it's it is it's a lot of fun to watch, even though it's frustrating because we got that taste of sweet glory last year. Um, and and things are starting. We 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 crave the perfection. We crave our team going where it needs to go. And if we see them falter a little bit, it, it's a little more glaring than it used to be because we're not used to being in this position, but uh, slowly, but surely I'm starting to understand that like that, that last year's team was a culmination of all of Kirby's hard work coming together. And then we lost an entire defense, an entire squad of humans. Um, and, and we had to replace them. So these guys are just, they're building when he said ascending, man, that's just yeah. it, it, at the right time. It's like a team getting hot at the right time. That's They're gelling right at the yeah. right time I, of the season. I don't want to take away anything that Kirby Smart did in year one, year two, year three, all those players and all that. I just really feel like last year, like we were, we were kind of like leveling – the playing field and like doing some grading and some clearing and, and, and setting a place for a foundation. And then this team last year laid the foundation for the dynasty that's, that's being built in front of our very eyes. And I think what Kirby has done and what those players and that class and everything has done is established this culture at UGA that says this, 
we will do everything we can to make sure you get the, the ball on offense. If you're an offense a tight end, wide receiver, running back, we're going to try to spread it around as much as possible because we all want you to stay here. But I'm going to tell you this. If you want to be a champion at the University of Georgia, if you want to be a football champion, play complimentary, selfless football. Play for one another, and everybody buys into that. He talks about Washington being an elite blocker all the time. And he says everyone plays selfless, and that's the culture at Georgia right now. If you come in here and be – this is you're, – you're a part of something that's bigger than you. If you drink this Kool-Aid, when you leave Georgia, you're going to be a better player, better athlete, better person, whatever, than you were when you came in, and you're going to leave with some hardware. But you, this, is the, this is the roadmap. This is how you do it. And if you can come here and buy in, and, and, and that's what he says. He keeps saying they all care about one another. They're all invested in one another. They all want to see each other succeed. And he keeps saying selfless, and he keeps saying complimentary. That's what's happening. And I think as long as the class, everybody, the younger kids see this and do it, and I'm sorry, Alabama, if last year was rebuilding, what is this? You know, I don't know. But we're watching the dynasty being built, and, 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 and Georgia's going to be around for a very long time. They're going to be very good. I think the transfer portal's going to light up this year. That's just, that's just me making an assumption, uh, a prediction of sorts. But we got Kentucky, and Kirby Smart just said that he said as, as physical as Mississippi State was, and everybody else, he's like, Kentucky's going to be the most physical team that we've played this year. And it starts with Chris Rodriguez, that big old, and, and Benny Snell was the same way, that big old bruiser of a running back. And Kirby said, you know, as the season progresses, you see a lot of defensive defenses get a little softer on tackling and taking hits. And he said, we can't do that. He's like, you can watch any, any team you want in football, and you, you'll see it happen that the hits get a little softer and they start to not pull away from contact as the season gets on. But he's like, Chris Rodriguez is a guy that he's a hitter. He seeks contact. He wants to hit you. And he's like, if you're soft on him, he's going to run all over you. Will Levis is the same way. He doesn't shy away from pressure. He's a guy that will stand tall in the pocket and take a lick. Big, strong kid can take a hit, a rocket arm. He's got a cannon. Well, and think about it this way too. We, Georgia now is getting everybody's best game, right? Yeah. Everybody's best game. Now you got a pissed off Kentucky after just taking an L to Vanderbilt. Uh so pissed off Kentucky at home. You know, it's it's not not you said it. SEC game. None of the SEC on the road. games are easy. Especially on the road. ones on the road. You're right. Um yeah. So I can't take anything lightly. Kirby's got his guys. He knows they everybody knows. They know. You can't look past it. There's no, there's no looking past anybody right now. There isn't. But I also will say this: I just think Georgia's on a whole other plane. Sure, sure, than, sure. And and Kentucky might, you know, when the game is over, like, hey, yeah, they played us tough, but Georgia's gonna win. Yeah, no, I, 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 have I think no Georgia doubt. by twenty-one, but also, you know, but but you but you can have that confidence. But yeah, you can't sleep on them for sure. That's for sure. Well, and that's the thing: we have that confidence because we know Kirby won't let them sleep on them. You know what yeah. I mean? We can talk like that because we have faith that Kirby has everything taken care of. But it's a close game, and there's only 61,000 seats in there, and I bet 20 or 30 of those are dog fans in that tiny little <laughs> tiny little st- Kroger field that they play in. But I will say this. If football has taught us anything, any given Sunday, we saw any given Monday last night, the lowly commanders, 
knocked off the Eagles. The Eagles are 8-1 now. So if you don't think Kentucky can beat Georgia, they absolutely can. Do I think they will? No, because I think there's Georgia. Now, you remember the time where there was Alabama and then there was everybody else? I think now it's Georgia and there's everybody else. All these Vols fans are like, we're not ready yet, but if we get another crack, I think it'd be the same result. (laughs) I think it'd be the same result because I don't think Tennessee is ready. I think Josh Heupel is is in position to do great things at Tennessee, but as far as the pressure of these big – Tennessee's never, and I've said this before, I just don't think they're ready. And in Tennessee, they, they'll be there in the coming years. They will. I think we maybe we're, we're gearing up for some classic uh, matches. You know, they, they've, they've got some uh, young guys in there at the quarterback position that are highly touted. But again, you know how I feel about that. They got to get, let's get them on the field. I also want to say one thing, too, that, that Josh Heifel's getting literally shit on for running up the score. He's got to do that right now in order to make him st- separate him from the one-loss teams if he wants a shot at sneaking back into the playoffs. Yeah, because here's the thing. Who's playing Who's playing in the SEC title game? Not Tennessee. Right. So you got one loss. You're not in the title game. It's going to make it real hard for you to sneak back. Something's got to happen with Michigan or Ohio State. Well, or maybe one of even, them has to lose. Yeah, or maybe even TC. But even still – even if there's a one-loss Ohio State team or a one-loss Michigan team, I think they still get in over Tennessee. Yeah, well, TCU. I do as well. I don't know. They're there, but should they be? I don't know. I mean, if you want to call Texas a a signature win for them, it is what it is. But they're and I don't. I don't even want to call them this year Cincinnati. But it they they have that outsider feel. Like you don't you didn't expect them to be there for it. Well. I think the committee is is like okay. Everybody's been clamoring about these uh, these teams, you know, not in a big conference for years. And I think where they finally like okay, we got to give them one. We got to give them one. Well, it, they're they're not they're winning they're winning all of their games, but they're but undefeated. They're, they're winning the games that they should win too. You know, you watch a Texas team take it all the way to Alabama and TCU beat them, yeah, easily. So, I mean, it it is what it is. It's, I, I don't think Tennessee's going to make it back in, but they're they're making their case in case some crazy shit happens. I think we may end up playing Michigan again, depending on how it shakes out. You know, I think it's going to be Alabama doesn't have a chance. LSU, if 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 LSU can beat, is LSU a two loss team? I think they are a two loss team. I, I don't even think they. I don't. They could beat Georgia, but still not get in. I don't think. I don't you even think if, so. Do you think the SEC champion, unless it's just a complete shit show, will ever not be in the playoff? I know. I, I personally don't think a two-loss SEC championship team should be in. If there's other one-loss teams, I just don't. I just don't, I don't think a two-loss team should ever be in the playoffs. I think it's either you got one loss, which is your conf, like Georgia. If they lose the SEC championship, of course they're still in. Sure, and, of course, they and were I, only, you know. I only ask the question because I know in my brain, because I'm an SEC, I'm a fan of the SEC, my team is in the SEC, I understand what it is, and I'm I'm not saying this to be negative on any of the other conferences, but I, I just know that there should be a seat for the SEC champion in the playoff. Now, if you have three undefeated teams and – your champion is the, I mean, but what happens there? What if you have three undefeated teams, 
in the SEC championship is the way that it is. Two loss LSU beats undefeated Georgia. Georgia has one loss, but LSU just beat them. But does LSU take that spot, or does Georgia jump over uh, one of the undefeated? I, I just How don't. Do you, I, it's weird. That's a I, weird I just don't scenario. Think, I don't think no matter where you're at, I don't think a two loss team belongs in the playoffs. Because let's put it this way: Tennessee, okay. Tennessee wins out. You still got to put them in over LSU because they're nine and one, and LSU will still have to. Uh, uh, yeah, even no. even if LSU just beat the team, didn't Tennessee beat LSU as well? Yeah. So there you go. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't it could happen. I don't, it hasn't happened yet, has it? There's never been a two loss team in the playoff, has there? I don't think. But, no. I yeah. Don't. I don't think it'll ever happen. Long story short. Well, there it'll probably happen once the expansion happens. Oh, of course. But right now, as it stands, I think it's the top four teams in the nation have to have one loss or be undefeated. And that one loss could be a regular season, but you win your conference championship or you're undefeated and you lose your conference championship. That's the only way. Yeah, the only th- the only scenario that I saw happening where both Michigan and if they if they're one of their losses, there's only going to be one loss, and it's going to be to one, the other team. The only way I saw that maybe not working out for them is if Oregon ran the table. Yeah, but they just well they just so, lost. So Michigan and Ohio State have to play regular season. They play after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Are they not going to see each other again in the conference title game? Uh, I don't think so. Big Ten championship? No, they're in the they're in the same. So the winner of that goes to the Big Ten championship and plays whoever. Some crappy team. Yeah. With two losses, probably. Um, That's a good question. Turns yeah. out I don't pay much attention to them. I don't pay attention to Big Ten football either. Uh, we'll, we'll do our homework on that. But we got to keep the show rolling because, man, we are uh, – I think we're, we're, we're getting in there. Um, well, you know what? We, 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 uh, I love the Falcons, but we don't have to talk about them. Yeah, we, we won't spend too much time on them. <laughs> Just the biggest thing we can say right now is – Marcus Woof. Mariota is, in fact, not the guy. We, we we kind of figured this. We were all hopeful that he would be the guy, that he would kind of have a resurgence, and he's shown some flashes. He's He gave the, you know, the, him and the Falcons gave us all a little glimmer of hope that, you know, they, they got four wins. I think they're going to get six or seven, but I think that's probably about it. I think they're going to tap out there. But every the thing everyone's talking about, is we should have got Justin Fields, and he's been a little hot lately, but they're still bad, and he and his completion percentage is still under 60%, which is not good. He averages 148 yards a game through the air. Not good. I get it. In the last several games, he's got like 500-and-something yards rushing. He's getting done with his feet, but those guys don't last in the NFL. Well, here's the thing. Justin Fields is a very good quarterback. I won't take it away from him, and, and it's easy. it's easy to say – Man, we should have got Justin Fields, and I again that draft, that particular draft, I uh, it could have gone any yeah. a multitude of ways for me. But the people just, it's easy now when you see you weren't saying that shit about Justin Fields three, four weeks ago, but he has two great weeks. And I, mm-hmm. I told you, I yeah. told you, but it, that beside the point, okay? And would Justin Fields farewell? with our offensive line. Maybe this one this year, the way it's playing this year, maybe, maybe. But either way, 
you didn't you didn't see all this happening. There was a yeah. plan. That plan didn't work out. Our new plan was Marcus Mariota stopgap quarterback. I man, I watched two stinkers, but yeah. the being outside in the rain in Carolina for the Carolina game, it was it was mildly painful. It was mildly painful to watch that game. Um they beat us at our game. They they ran the ball all over us. We we couldn't get anything anything going. It, it seemed like one one drive, Mariota was marching down the field uh, on on short passes, and it looked great. And then he made one bad decision throwing the football, and then it went to running, and they stuffed us. And like that was that was it. Like any we we couldn't get any momentum whatsoever. Um, and then towards the end of the game, man, throwing throwing the ball from like your back. Yeah, you're not you're not as the internet says, you're not Pat Mahomes, but look, here's the thing. The Falcons have met and will exceed expectations on win total. They're going to win more than 4. The Falcons are not going to lose every other game the rest of the season. They're not. They're going to win one or two more. Hopefully we win this three. weekend cuz I don't want to hear any more shit about Justin Fields. Yeah. But also, uh here's what it's the last thing I'm going to say about Justin Fields. Remarkable athlete, remarkable athlete. But I just happen to know people that coached him at Harrison. And what they have told me is remarkable athlete. Ain't very smart. I'm just saying, I don't think Justin Fields has the acumen to be successful. His his body can get it done for him, his legs and his athletic ability. But is he going to become a smart thinking quarterback in the NFL? I don't think so. I don't think he has, and, and again, I'm just some dude sitting in a studio in Woodstock, so what do I know? But I'm just saying this is my opinion. I'm not saying it's wrong or right, but what I'm telling you is I think Justin Fields' career could very much mirror that of Cam Newton, and I already think he has an attitude problem. I already think he's a little too full of himself, and there's a difference between confidence and cockiness, and I don't think he has the mind. I'm not saying he's like just this big dumb moron. I, I think he's an intelligent human, but as far as football smarts and that high acumen about what it takes to succeed and be successful in the NFL, I don't think he has what it takes. I don't think Justin Fields is going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's going to be a champion. Will he put up a uh, have a respectable career if if he stays healthy? But I'm telling you, guys, the, the Michael Vicks, the Cam Newtons, all those guys come in, they do great, but they start getting knocked around and hit. And you don't last. Look at Pat Mahomes has done it. There's been a couple of other people to win Super Bowls, you know, with their feet. But that's about it. Yeah, every, but Mahomes every, isn't winning with his feet. Mahomes yeah, he's doing, slings that thing. He does. But and that's what I'm saying. Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl, but he got his ass kicked and he acted like a baby and he and he kicked and screamed on his on his belly like a child. He didn't get it done. I don't think. I'm just sorry. As much as owners, coaches, anybody wants the NFL to shift to this hybrid mentality of a guy that can tuck it and take off down the field. That only works for so long. The true guys in this league that get it done, they get it done with their arm, they can extend plays with their legs and their brain. That's how it's done in the NFL. That's how it's always going to be done, I think. That's how it's always been done. Look at every great quarterback you talk about, Hall of Famers. Tom Brady. Not a Cam Newton, tuck it and run it all over the field. Not a Mike Vick. Joe Montana. Dan Marino. Terry Bradshaw. Ben Roethlisberger. When you, Matt Ryan. And when you say the names of the guys that can run the ball, they run the ball, they're very opportunistic about it. Steve Young. Mm-hmm. Very opportunistic when it came to running the ball. It wasn't RPOs. 
yeah. with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, and back to the Falcons, it, it, we got really excited. And I'm not even going to say we got a little bit ahead of ourselves because these are very winnable games. Yeah. The game in Carolina is winnable. The game against the Chargers, very winnable. That one ends in such tragic fashion. You know, it, it just, they're winnable games. And I, I think this team is just, it's building. Yeah, of course. And I, I said it, I said it at the beginning of the season that I hope we lost every game by one point. Um, yeah, half kidding. Well, it's that, happening. That I want the that I want the draft pick, but I I don't. I, watching the way this team is playing for one another and how they're building, I I much prefer this angle. And I know we talked about that on another show, but it still sucks. It still sucks to watch what I watched in Charlotte, it, and and then hear Arthur Smith double down and and it's. I have faith in him. Don't get me wrong. It just sucks to hear we have no plans on moving Desmond Ritter into the starting role. And this is what I said in response to that, that Arthur uh, and and Terry have given us no reason to not trust the plan. And I'm like, what if Arthur Smith is this evil genius? And we, we have to, the plan right now is Ritter's not part of the plan. And he doesn't have to, he doesn't, he doesn't know us and he doesn't have to explain shit to us. Let it unfold. Yeah. I think everybody got to th- that that carrot dangled of, man, this team just might be better than expected. We just might, and we still have to realize that what we talked about at the beginning of the season was probably going to be in a lot of games, but lose a lot of games. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose by 10 points to the Panthers. You lose by just a few points to the Chargers. You know, we gave away the Saints game. You, you fight and claw back against the Rams. You know, I just think we're missing – pieces not not think i know everyone knows we're missing we've got to upgrade on defense and i said we needed somebody to compliment grady jarrett to stop stop double teaming him we needed a shutdown linebacker and a shutdown corner and we'll be good i think we need a premier and 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 cordell patterson is very good he's not premier he's not elite he's very good we need a marquee back Look at the Falcons. Anytime they've had any any type of success in Atlanta, who what have they had? A big time running back, that also, Jamal Anderson, Warwick Dunn. You know what but I mean? I think they, that that goes for all teams in the NFL. Man, a, a dominant running game or a dominant running back opens up the entire football field yeah. for you. A running game, period. But I think if you have that one guy, that one X factor, that you have to cue in on him every time he sets foot on the field. They have to know where he is. So it it differs a little bit from the running back by committee. But that was the other thing that got me. And we talked about it. I was like, man, I wonder, you know, with the short porch, the the five-day turnaround between the Chargers game and the the Panthers game, like how much are we going to see of Cordero Patterson? He rushed the ball five times. Mm-hmm. against Carolina in a game in the rain where we needed to run the ball. Our most effective rusher carried the ball five friggin' times. Yeah. And, I, man, we had great seats and everything. I just I wanted to see the man run. Yeah. Well, that's when you put on the longer spikes. And But, again, what, but what, you know, what Atlanta doesn't need? Justin Fields. What Atlanta needs is a guy that can throw the ball into a tight window and get it into the hands of Kyle Pitts and Drake London. A guy that can watch plays unfold because, again, I think the game is moving too fast for Mariota, and that's why he doesn't see these guys wide open. I think he runs through his progressions and 
or he he you know he's maybe he doesn't go off the off off script because to, I, you know if if it, if the play unfolds like it's supposed to unfold for him and his his primary target is open i see him throw good balls mhm anytime we are moving around the progression it is it it's tough he doesn't run through his progressions well and his check down. So we got to find a guy that can make the throws to get the ball into Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts. And again, guess what? There's going to be another season of Falcons football next year. I'm not saying, please, by all means, keep going out and supporting the team. You're part of the team, but understand what, what's happening. And, and they, we still have to let Arthur and Terry's plan unfold. They haven't even unfolded that map yet. They're, they're, they're working on it. But anyway... We said we didn't want to talk about the Falcons, and we just talked about them, but we've got to get going because Mark has got to get on the road to see the legendary Adam Sandler. So let's get into the Hawks. They put the stank on the Bucks last night. I think you said they handed them their first loss of the season and their first home loss of the season. We took care of them in the preseason. We have now shown we can hang with them in the regular season. I got no complaints about the Hawks. That's all I'll tell you. I know you're not happy about how they're, you know, how they handle Trey and and, and the the things the refs in the league have done to shut down Trey and James Harden. You'll get into that, but right now for me, I'm digging the Hawks, man. Oh yeah, and digging the Hawks. They're nine and five. You know, don't get it twisted. I I am digging the Hawks as well. I just it it it's one of those things that I pay attention to and I specifically cue in on because it is it it became very noticeable after they made the rule change for you know. Trey and James Harden abusing the rule and getting to the free throw line. I say if you're playing better defense, that wouldn't happen. But either way, that's probably a little bit of me being a homer. Um, but yeah, the the disparity in in free throws in the first half last night was staggering. It was, at one point, it was like thirty three to to ten. Like it, in the first half, I think Giannis had more free throws than the entire you know the entire Hawks lineup. Um, but you. Take the good with the bad here. You you look another sturdy performance from DeAndre Hunter, man. And we talked about this all coming into the season. Uh, his health and him being uh, a functioning part of this team uh, makes everything work for me. And he has been very, very consistent. He drops 24 last night, which is awesome. Um, Collins still, uh, you know, if, if the man doesn't score in double digits and get you a double-double, um, you're ready to trade him. Most fans out there or, or most people that I see on the internet commenting about him are ready to ship him off when he doesn't blow up the stat lines. But it, another another solid performance from Collins. We are actually, we came out this season shooting really, really poorly from, from three. And, and now our, our attempts from three are down. So it tells me that possibly... This is a well-coached team, and they're uh, mm-hmm. they're playing to their strengths. So we're not just jacking up threes like normal. And Trey's still out there, so everybody that hates his uh, shot selection, well, just know <laughs> that the shooting percentage is not there. But uh, you know, we we've stopped we stopped jacking up threes. Again, fourteen games in, fourteen games in, folks. And we're gonna do another episode about you. That's what I'm calling you now, bridge jumpers. We'll we'll, we'll address the bridge jumpers in a minute, but. 14 games in, check it out, in the league, the entire league, Hawks are the sixth best team of all the, all, all the teams in the league, Hawks are sixth best. 
Now, let's go to the conference. In the Eastern Conference, how many teams are in the Eastern Conference? A lot. Hawks are the third best team behind only Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, Cleveland is, is right there. Washington, Toronto, they're all right there. But Hawks, as it stands today, third best team in the division. We're on top of our division. I, I got nothing. To, I got nothing to complain about. It's a long, long season. Hawks are going to be just fine. They're they're going to be like Georgia. They're going to get better each week, better each game. They're going to ascend. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you now: the Hawks are going to the playoffs this year. Oh yeah. Period. End of story. You're big on AJ Griffin. The guy is making a case for himself. You said he's forcing Nate McMillan's hand. He's he's playing some great basketball. The Hawks are going to shine. So everybody just relax and enjoy the ride. I think that's my biggest thing is people just can't relax and enjoy the ride that is a professional or even collegiate sports season. When it's such a long season too, you gotta, you just gotta, you do have to sit back and enjoy. It. And obviously, if you're hu- if you're a huge fan, and I'm a huge fan, I do it on a game by game basis. I do make decisions and judgments on a game to game basis, but I do have the perspective that, that we have time to work on the things that I. I don't like and and want to be fixed. But one of the things that I was worried about this year, you know, AJ Griffin's 17 minutes. He's got the same amount of time on the court as a Kongwu and and Jalen Johnson, 15 minutes. You know, it's it's not a, a significant. I mean, it is a significant amount of time for the young guys to be out there because previously that wouldn't that wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be out there. So it's it's good to see them coming along early. And and AJ's a spark off the bench. He's quickly making a name for himself. And people are excited when he comes off the bench and gets into the game. And we still haven't seen Bogey Bogdanovich come off the bench and play with that second team. We haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. That's still coming down the road. Like that's man. So yes. We're we're good. We got we got the C's. We got the Celtics at home tomorrow night. That's a big game. Um, yeah. Fun fact: uh, Giannis sat out a, a few games, but he made it a point to to pop in and play both times he played the Hawks. Um, I heard on uh, on another radio station that it's a. Uh, I think they said that it's a uh, it's it's pretty cool when you know you got a superstar like Giannis who is making it a point to get in there and play against the Hawks because of how they play against him. Yeah. Knowing he wants to get better against that in case we run into the playoffs. He got a taste of us um, in the finals. So he's not stupid. Yeah. He knows what we have down here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's building into a rivalry because of Milwaukee's head coach is none other than Mike Budenholder. Budenholder is what I call him because he had those DUIs. But yeah, Mike Budenholzer is their coach. And he's, you know, he's gone up there and done a fantastic job, and I'm a little bitter about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, he, you know, he but said, he said he wanted to coach a superstar, so he went for Giannis and and left Trey down here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So whatever, dude. You know, that's and and, the, and here's the thing: they had their top guys on the court in the preseason, and we took them down twice. And they were missing a guy last night, but you know me, I'll always say I don't care. Yeah. It's the team that if that's the team you had that night, that's the team you had that night, and somebody better come off the bench and step it up. Some you know, football, baseball, whatever. Don't tell me, oh well, well, Jeter was out. I don't give a damn. Then what? Then who's 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 taking his spot? Who's going to step up? So, I'm just saying, and I don't care. I don't care who's missing. If Anton Takumpo is on the court and the Hawks beat him, I don't care. 
Yep. Now, if he's not playing, then I'll, then I would say that. Well, Mark Giannis didn't play, so come on, let's let's really look. But hey, dude's been on the floor every time, and I'm so, one twenty one to one oh six. That's a whooping in basketball. He got whooped, fifteen points. Yeah, that's that's a whooping on their court. Yeah. So anyway, I'm 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 loving the Hawks. I'm doing the doing the bull dance, feeling the flow, and in case you didn't catch that. That was an Adam Sandler reference, and that's how we're going to wind this thing down. Good luck uh, on your trip. Good luck seeing Adam Sandler. I hope he's uh, he's always funny live. His movies have been a little lackluster, but I still have a soft spot in my heart for old Adam Sandler. And uh, with that, we're going to see you. Are you coming? You'll be back Thursday, right? Hell yeah! So we'll be back for some more shenanigans, hijinks. And general tomfoolery that is believe in Atlanta sports. But until then, Atlanta, I almost said Athens because I'm dreaming of that tech game. But until then, Atlanta, and not just Atlanta, the whole state of Georgia, wherever you're at listening to us, Singapore, the Republic of France, all you people out there, anyone that's listening, truly, we truly thank you thank for you. keeping the tune in and, and riding with us while we have our growing pains and riding with us, you know, through the 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 task that is kind of building this thing that we're trying to build here and we appreciate it and we will not forget you but you guys stay safe and we'll see you later do you believe temple university is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the u.s through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty temple students are prepared to soar in their careers schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit